Well, good evening, everybody. Evening. Um, so as Thomas said, I want to talk tonight about a prophetic culture. Ooh, it's a crazy words. Prophetic culture. What do I mean by that? I basically mean a space where it is normal to hear God's voice and to respond to what he's saying. And um, a prophetic culture is actually something that, if you think about it for a minute, is fairly well established here at Central. If you've been around here for any length of time, then you might have heard these two questions. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? You might have even maybe felt like you've heard those questions far too many times. Um, But they're kind of normal questions for us to ask. And we think that that is part and parcel of being a disciple. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is to ask those questions, to listen to God and to respond to him. But I think what happens when we get a bit familiar, when it gets a bit well established here that God speaks, is that we can get a bit too kind of cozy, a bit too familiar. Has anybody got a new couch at the minute? Anyone just bought a new couch? No, okay. Are you all waiting until January when they're in the sales? Yeah, that's what's happening, isn't it? Okay. So basically, when you get a new couch, so say this beautiful couch here, just use your imagination for a minute. When you sit on your new couch, you sit very carefully. And it's all very nice, and you've like arranged your nice cushions, maybe because you're newly married and you got them on your John Lewis gift list. And it's all very just like special and beautiful, and you would never have a cup of tea on your new couch because it is precious, and you would spill nothing on it. Eight years later, what's happened in my life? I've had two small children. There are biscuit crumbs literally everywhere. You would think that maybe my child spends like 10 minutes a day kind of rubbing them in by the state of my couch. And you sit on your couch, and you're just a bit kind of too familiar. Just, you know, when you sit back on your couch, your sofa, and you just get cozy. I think that's a little bit like what can happen with listening to God's voice. We can get a bit too familiar, a bit too cozy. Actually, the statement, I heard God speak, is massive. That is an epic thing to claim or to say, I heard God speak. The creator of the universe spoke to me. That's a huge thing to claim. So I want to um, kind of talk a bit about tonight is, is reclaiming some of the wonder of how God does that. So to lay a baseline for us all this evening, we can all hear God's voice. So if you didn't know it, receive it. We can all hear God's voice. Maybe you don't hear in an audible sense. I don't hear the audible voice of God. That word can sometimes be unhelpful. Maybe you receive revelation from God through pictures, dreams, impressions, reading scripture, encountering nature. God speaks in so many different ways. But the truth is that the Bible tells us we're all designed for intimate companionship with the God who made us and loves us. That's how we're made to be and to function. We can all hear God's voice. And um, I was trying to think of the best way to explain this, guys, to you, and um, explain this to you guys. Um, And uh, basically, I want to break it to you gently tonight that you are, in fact, sheep. You really weren't expecting me to say that, were you? You are, in fact, all sheep. So before you think I'm completely heretical, then turn with me to John chapter 10, and I want to open up the scripture and, and kind of explain why on earth I'm making ludicrous statements like, you are all sheep. 
As you're doing that, maybe open your Bible, turn to the person next to you and say, you are a sheep. That was just for my own personal enjoyment, not for (laughs) anything else. Just thought that would be funny. Okay, so John chapter 10. What's happening here is that Jesus is talking to people quite familiar with sheep. Okay, this is basically a Palestinian farming community. They were well used to sheep and sheep rearing, sheep tending, shepherding. And uh, basically what happened was that the sheep of a whole village would be kept in a big pen. And there would be a person at the night who would guard the sheep in the pen. And then the shepherds would come in the morning and they would call out their sheep. And the way that Middle Eastern shepherding worked is that the shepherd walked in front of the flock. Okay, so they kind of followed behind, a bit like ducklings around a mother hen. Um, and so Jesus is actually saying this about himself. So let's read together from verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Implication of this passage To be a disciple of Jesus is to be one who can recognize Jesus' voice. We know what it sounds like because he calls us by name and he leads us out. And what's really interesting about um, this passage, actually, if you're into kind of grammar and all of that kind of stuff, um, that it's actually a continuous verb. He continues to call his own sheep and they continue to hear his voice. It's kind of an ongoing thing. It's not just a once-only event, but it keeps happening. So, you're all sheep. You're all designed and made with the capacity to hear from God. Wow, that's amazing. Um, But what you didn't expect me to tell you next is that you're not only sheep, but you're sheep with Christmas presents. Okay, just to pique your interest there. Um, You are a disciple of Jesus. When you become a disciple of Jesus, God gives you spiritual gifts. That's what scripture tells us. Gifts that are given to build up and strengthen the body, the church, each other. And so there are different gifts that God gives. 1 Corinthians 12, great passage, go and look it up. Prophecy, hospitality, evangelism, apostleship, mercy, healing, words of knowledge. We saw live, come and demonstrate that. You have a God-given niche. You're a sheep with a Christmas present. Yeah? Okay. We're all on the same page. (laughs) Um, So prophecy is a spiritual gift. So here's what I'm saying. If this is you guys, okay, all here looking beautiful in this lovely circle here, this is, we're all in here, we are all made and designed to hear God's voice. We can all do that. But some of us are gifted uniquely, sheep with Christmas presents, to hear God's voice in a way that builds up, strengthens, comforts, encourages the body of Christ. That's called the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a gift that makes known the heart, mind, and intention of God to his people. Or to say it in another way, hearing God speak and sharing what he says. 
And so we have a fairly well-established prophetic culture here at Central. It's normal for us to talk about this stuff. It's also increasingly normal for people to be exercising, to be using the gift of prophecy, isn't it? So here at Restart the Heart, you might have heard us talk about our prophetic team. These are individuals who are saying, yeah, I'm speculating that God's given me a spiritual gift of prophecy, and I want to steward that really well. So we've invested time here at Central, resources, leadership, in developing and helping people grow with the gift of prophecy. And that's phenomenal. That's brilliant. Releasing people to go and love and serve with the thing that God's given them. Naomi does a really excellent job of um, stewarding and leading that team. But here's the thing, because we have a healthy prophetic culture, because it's normal for us to hear, because we have people who readily and increasingly hear God's voice with clarity with us and for us, it's highly likely if you hang around this church for any time that you'll receive a prophetic word. You'll receive a word from God, either yourself or from somebody else. But here's the thing, what on earth what on earth do you do with it? What do you do with it? Oh, a prophetic word. Here's what I think we do. Oh, a prophetic word. This is nice. Oh, yes. That's a lovely word, that is. Yes, I, I think I'm going to write it in my journal. Do you know what you could do? You can maybe color it in. I've seen some people do that really nicely in their Bibles to just color it in. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I mean, clearly I'm slightly taking the Michael. But <laughs> what I'm saying is I, sometimes these words can encourage us for weeks, but then after a little while, we kind of forget them. And maybe it's a bit like we sit on the couch. We get a bit comfortable. Or maybe it's like my fridge at home. Maybe you pin your prophetic word on your fridge and then last night's takeout kind of menu gets pinned up and my little boy's kind of preschool drawings from nursery go up there and a few receipts and maybe though you wouldn't tell anyone the all-in card maybe got lost under there somewhere from church and uh, after a little while you just kind of forget about that word and it's kind of there under that stuff somewhere but God's life changing world changing words were never meant to sit gathering dust on the spiritual fridge doors of our lives Never. God has a purpose in speaking. And I think there's so much for us to step into here as a church family together that God has so much more for us in stewarding and prophetic culture, actually to step into what he's saying, to participate in it. And that's really where we're going to go with this teach this evening. There's a purpose to God speaking. Revelation is only the beginning of the prophetic process. So, I want to talk a little bit about weighing words. Did you know that you have to weigh a prophetic word? You absolutely have to. You don't just kind of say, oh, that's a nice word, I'll have that. You actually have to weigh it. There's important questions that you have to ask about a prophetic word. Our, our prophecy team here, you might have seen them at Restart the Heart before, they're not promising you 100% revelation from God. They're saying, you know what, we're going to do the best with what we've got and we're trusting Holy Spirit, but it's not going to be 100% accurate. Most prophetic words are a, are a mixture of divine revelation and, and human flesh because they're God-breathed words through us. 
there's going to be some flesh in there somewhere and it's our job as the receiver of the word to weigh that, to work out what it is that God's saying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good. Implication, you have to look for the good, look for the gold, and then hold on to it. So four questions um, that I found really helpful as I've weighed prophecy. If you're taking notes, if only for my own encouragement, you might want to write these down because they're helpful to come back to. How do you know if it's a good word? Four questions. Number one, does it encourage, strengthen, and comfort me? Does it encourage, comfort, and strengthen me? Because that is the job of prophecy. That's what it's supposed to do. 1 Corinthians 14.3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So if you receive a prophetic word, say someone comes up to you and says something just horrendous that leaves you feeling utterly condemned and just awful and so heavy, can I humbly suggest to you that that might not be a prophetic word? Does it encourage? Does it comfort? Does it strengthen? If it doesn't do those things, you can, in the immortal words of that Disney classic, let it go. Just let it go. It might not be right, and that's okay. Somebody's just speculated on Holy Spirit and given you a word, but that doesn't mean that you have to accept it. Words that come with challenge from Holy Spirit, words that are truly from Holy Spirit with challenge, I've found they come with like bucket loads of grace alongside them. The conviction of Holy Spirit brings us to repentance, which leads us more into the arms of a Father who loves us. They don't bring condemnation. That means that we sit here heavy and burdened and stuck. That's not, that's not what prophecy does. So if you've received a word like that, then put it down and let it go. Buckets of grace. It's like I absolutely love ketchup with my chips. I can never have too much ketchup with my chips. That's like Holy Spirit buckets of grace. There is never, like, there's, there's always more, more more grace to go with his challenge. Number two, does it point me to Jesus or does it distract me? Prophecy should completely point you to Jesus. It should bring glory to him. It should reveal more of who he is, reveal more of his kindness and his love. If it doesn't point you to Jesus, let it go. Number three, does it sit within the witness of scripture? This is a really important one. If you receive a prophetic word um, that's something like, go, marry somebody else even though you're already married, then that is not a prophetic word because it does not sit within the witness of scripture that says, be faithful. Okay, so implication is that we kind of need to know our scripture to know how to do this. And you need to be around wise and godly people who also know their scripture because we have to work this out in community. Does it sit within the witness of scripture? And then number four, does it land with a sense of God's peace? Now that can be a little subjective, can't it? And so that's why it's number four, not number one. Just get that right on my fingers there. Number one. It's number four, not number one. Um, but it's still important, that kind of inner witness of Holy Spirit. 
if you are uneasy when you're listening to a prophecy, then a really good question to be asking Holy Spirit as you're listening is, is this you? Does this sound like a word from my heavenly Father who loves me beyond anybody else? For me, um, the voice of God is like the kindest voice that I've ever heard. And so whenever I'm not sure if something is from God or not, I'm thinking, does this sound like the kindness of my father? Is this you? And if it's not, then let it go. So you've asked those four questions. And if you think you've then got a good word, hold on to the good. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Hold on to the good. If you think you've got a good word, having gone through those four questions, then this is where a suggestion of where you can go next. So for those of you who love a structure and a plan, who loves a structure and a plan? Anyone else? Okay. I love you guys. I love a structure and a plan. Um, So this is very much a Hannah teach. Um, Then this is a suggestion for how to walk with a prophetic word. So um, I'm actually just going to move this along here a little bit. So I'm a kind of... I'm taking Charlie to nursery, and um, I'm tooting along, pushing my little girl Grace in the buggy, and uh, I've just turned the corner, I'm walking along, and then all of a sudden, bam, a stranger stops me. Hannah, I have a prophetic word for you. I'm like, okay, random. You've got approximately three minutes before I need to pick Charlie up. Um, Hannah... Uh, I've, I've got a vision of a jellyfish tap dancing on a jar of peanut butter. And I feel like the Lord is releasing joy into eight areas of your life. Okay. I mean, already I would be discounting it, but for the purpose of this talk, we're going to go with it. So at that point, I have a choice to make. I weigh it, I decide, does it sound like a good word? Okay, that's my first question. Those four questions. If I decide it's a good word, then I step into it. I choose Kairos. I choose to step in. I choose to engage. I choose to participate. God has broken in. God has spoken. This is like a telephone call with my maker. And that's my responsibility. How am I going to respond in that moment? And that opportunity laid before me is the very same one that Jesus laid before his first disciples. Mark 1, he came saying, the time Kairos is near. It's in breaking. God's kingdom is here. Repent. Repent. And believe never spell this on the board. Literally ridiculous. My English teacher would be so ashamed. Repent and believe the good news. Change your thinking and then change your acting. So you receive a prophetic word. It's actually an invitation into a conversation with your father. You actually get to participate. This isn't something that's just happening to you. This is something the father is doing with you. We don't just hear a prophetic word to make us feel good about ourselves. 
to solve an immediate crisis. We hear the word of God because it's his invitation into adventure, into looking more like Jesus. And so we step into the word. There are three parts to a prophetic word. This is the way that we teach our teams here at Central. Revelation, interpretation, and application. And we start with revelation. We observe the revelation. So that's really like the raw data, the ludicrous picture of a jellyfish tap dancing on a jar of peanut butter. That's the raw data. We're looking at it. We're saying, what is it that we see? What is it that's been shared? And often that's where prophetic words for people generally start. It's often quite visual. And then we reflect and discuss an interpretation. which is a long word to write on a whiteboard. So that's where you're basically saying, I've received the raw data. Now I'm asking the question, what does it really mean? So it's all very well and good to get a picture of a jellyfish tap dancing on a jar of peanut butter, but what on earth does that mean? What significance does that have? What is it that God's actually revealing and speaking through that revelation? And someone who's maturing in the gift of prophecy should be giving you an interpretation That's what we train our teams here to do. They're supposed to ask, what does this revelation mean? So if someone says to you, I've got a picture of a sunflower, that's not not really enough. Really, they should be asking God, what does that sunflower mean? What is it that you're speaking to that person's heart? What is it that you want to encourage them with? Does that make sense? You all with me so far? Yeah, a few nods. Okay, we'll keep going. Um, So we're stepping into interpretation. What does this mean? What's the truth that God's releasing? So with that word that I just shared, the ridiculous one about the jellyfish, eight areas of your life will change and and, and become joyful. God is, is not really into McDonald's prophecy. He's not really into just like small things. He's into like Sunday lunches with a full cheese board afterwards. There's like utter richness to how God speaks if we would dare to step into it. Would you dare to ask him, what does that really mean? Just because someone's given you a word and an interpretation doesn't mean that it stops there. Actually, your responsibility is to step into it, to go back and ask God, what else would you show me as the receiver of that word? If you've received a picture of, of um, what, what's the flower that I just told you about? The sunflower, like, what is it about sunflowers that's so special? <laughs> Actually step into it. Participate in what God might be saying. And it's also a really good idea to get sharing your prophetic words. I think often we're far too private about this, but we need to be discussing because Weighing and testing and walking with prophetic words is actually the job of the community. It's not just an individual, this is my word, I'm going to keep it in my journal. But it's actually with people, with God, with people. And then the second half of weighing and holding on to the good of a prophetic word is the believe half. So what we do there is we plan, for those of you who like a plan, plan, we account, so we get accountable to other people because without that, 
just really, it wouldn't happen for me. I would literally stay down here forever planning. Get accountable and then act. And this is the half where we're in considering the application, which in short means, what am I going to do about it? What's the raw data? What does it mean? And what am I going to do about it? What's the actual action that I'm going to take as a result? What does it change in the way that I live? And that, we need to do that in community. I think that's one of my biggest points this evening that I really want us to hear and try and step into a bit more as church. We actually need to be doing this together in your missional community, with your friends, with your student community. We do it together. Often, actually, it's, it's the people with gifts in apostleship who are most good at this because they see clearly, they see strategy, they see a way forward. So get other people involved. It's okay for that to be a regular conversation. What's God saying? What are you going to do about it? I think we have a little bit of a cultural assumption with prophecy that we kind of say, if it's a prophetic word, if it's really from God, then it'll come to pass. It'll kind of happen. And I want to humbly suggest to you that that might not just be the case. That's not really good enough. Don't think that's what we see in scripture. I think my growing experience is that God actually has made us incredibly powerful people, that he's given us choice, and we actually get to choose how we're going to respond. How are you going to respond? That's your choice. God set you up. So you get to choose. Will you step in? Will you consider an interpretation and an application? Will you let other people into things that feel quite vulnerable? Will you go deep into an adventure, into that invitation that God's giving you? Godly decisions is a massive topic, but I wanted very quickly just to touch on that. How do we make good decisions Um, because I think prophetic words feed into that, but they're not the whole part. So consider the prophetic words that you have received, but also receive wise counsel from godly people. Be honest, be vulnerable. Listen to the witness of scripture. I don't think you need, um, maybe this is a bit too groundbreaking, but I don't think you need a prophetic word to go and love the poor. I think you could read your Bible and then go and do it. pop that out there okay and then lastly common sense use your nails because God gave you it those four things don't just move off of a prophetic word that testimony that we heard from Emma it was laced through with community she was talking it through with people she was looking at the witness of scripture. She was using common sense. And she was moving off the consistent nudging and prompting of Holy Spirit leading her. So as we close, two questions that I think are really helpful um, as you walk with a prophetic word. They come from a, a very wise woman, prophetic leader called Kath Livesey, who's written a book 
called My Sheep Have Ears. So if you want to grow in your prophetic gift, then I totally recommend it. My Sheep Have Ears by Kath Livesey. She says, ask these two questions. What internal change needs to take place in me in order for this word to become reality? What needs to happen in here, basically? What needs to happen in here to see this word come to pass? And then secondly, what step of faith do I need to take? What change do I need to make to my life to see this word become reality? So not just what happens in here, but what needs to happen out there that I can take responsibility for? Two really helpful questions as you weigh and walk with prophecy. And then lastly, what I would encourage us to be doing is to pray, 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 and don't stop praying. What would it look like to take a prophetic promise that God has made to you and actually use it in your quiet time with him to sit and to pray them out? God, you've said this. I believe that you have promised this. So I'm stepping into it. I pray that um, I would see the fulfillment of this, actually to pray it out, pray it out, pray it out. Posture your heart to receive what God has promised. So that was a bit teachy, but it's kind of important because if God's speaking, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on on how I can posture myself to walk with him, to be one who walks with the Lord. Wouldn't you love to be called that? She walked with the Lord. I want that. So I'd love to pray for us and then we're going to spend a bit of time just responding and thinking about how we can do this together. So if you want to close your eyes, feel free so you're not distracted. If you want to open out your hands um, as a kind of physical symbol of what you want your heart to be doing, then please do that. However you can engage with your father just in these few minutes. Father, I... um, I thank you that you speak. Thank you that you're a dad who has good things for his kids. And you've set us up to be powerful people, to take responsibility, that you're not really into fatalism, uh, but you're really into people. And we want to pray, God, that you would teach us more about how to steward your words, how to take them seriously, how to really healthily and maturely walk with the revelation that you give us. We don't want to get so familiar and cozy with your voice that we lose the wonder that you are God in heaven who speaks intimately acquainted with all our ways. And Father, I um, especially want to pray for um, any people here who've been hurt by an experience of the prophetic, um, where maybe heavy things were said or things were received in, in the wrong manner, spoken in the wrong way. And Father, we want to be a people who are faithful to you. And so we take that scripture, do not treat prophecy with contempt. And we repent of the way that we have but we ask that you would teach us 
how to hold on to the good. And that you would breathe um, back into these people confidence that you're a God who loves to speak, who loves to be heard, who loves to converse with his kids. And Father, I also just want to pray for those who, um, who you've given a prophetic gift. You've given the gift of prophecy to them. Um, recognizing we, we, we all can hear, but some are given the gift of prophecy. And I pray, Lord, that you would fan into flame that gift, um, that it would build up, it would encourage, it would comfort, it would strengthen your church, and it would share Jesus with your world. And God, that you would grow a really healthy prophetic culture. You would continue to grow that in this church and beyond. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.